0: Praise God, praise God, praise God. We are all thumbs up. So if it works, fine. If it doesn't, God didn't mean for it to work, I guess. Amen, amen. So we have been talking about core values. And core values, and you don't have to repeat that if you don't want to. So this month we've been talking about And actually part of last month, I think, Um, apostolic doctrine, uh, apostolic identity, apostolic, I'll get there somewhere here, apostolic ministry, apostolic unity, and then we're going to eventually get to apostolic worship. And so uh, the sheet that you have is really just a guideline, it's not really the notes, and I can tell you that even Brother Parker has really not really gone by this too much. Uh, so this is just a guideline. This is something for you to to kind of kind of know where we're going. But we've kind of been all over the map. And I'm just going with how I feel like the Lord wanted me to go with this this morning. So if you'll bear with me on that, we will get through this. And um, so uh, really I'm going to try to kind of focus on unity and then a little bit on um, ministry as well. Uh, the scripture there and under number four for apostolic unity says, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord. Imagine yourself. This is Paul speaking. This is the great man of God that when we hear the, the name of, in the Bible, when we hear about Paul, we think of a, of a great man of God. We think of a Lee stone king or something like that and, and Paul to us was that, but to Paul he was just he was just a vessel, he was just a servant, and he here he calls himself a prisoner of the Lord. Wow, a prisoner of the Lord, I'm in prison, I belong to him, he decides when I eat, he decides when I breathe, whether or not I breathe. he decides what's going on in my life. Paul knew that when that happened on the road to Damascus that everything changed, and what 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 was Ananias told by the Lord when he when he was told by the Lord to go tell Paul he said you're going to go tell Paul the things that he must suffer for my namesake imagine having to be that guy to go tell you have to go tell this guy that I've called and made a minister who's been persecuting and killing Christians God's called you which Paul already knew that but then he had to tell him and here's the things you're going to have to suffer for the sake of the name of the one who knocked you down and Paul had to willingly accept that right now I don't know about you and and I can't honestly go back and say that that God sent somebody to me and said here's the things that you have to suffer for the for the sake of the name of Jesus but I will say this that there have been some things that I've had to deal with amen and we all go through that there this is, this is not a rose garden, and we are going to, the Bible says that we are going to suffer persecution for the sake of his name. If we're doing the things, if we wear that identity as an apostolic, then we are going to eventually, at some point, we're going to have to take a stand for what we believe. And at some point, somebody's not going to like that, and we're going to suffer persecution for that because not everybody wants this. Does everybody need this? Absolutely but not everybody wants this now I have never been spit on by anybody I've never been punched or anything like that and maybe that's a that maybe that's a testimony against me maybe I haven't been bold enough to to declare this to people but in those days those men they went and declared it wherever they went he went right into the synagogue and and just went right against their their doctrine and their their traditions of men that they had been following for decades and so all in an attempt to try to get somebody to listen. And, you know, he people did listen. There were Pharisees and people besides Paul that got a hold of this. The guy that came and got Jesus' body and buried him. He was one of those guys. He was one of those those high-up guys that came. Joseph of Arimathea, he was one of those guys. He heard this message, and it, it just clicked. And so it says, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering. That's suffering long. If you went to ladies retreat, (laughs) suffering long, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. And so Brother Parker has talked about unity. and, And so. Uh, We're going to kind of delve into that just a little bit, and we're going to talk a little bit about apostolic ministry. And I kind of wanted to go over when I, the last time I taught on this, I kind of went over and I kind of broke down the whole concept of this message is, is the basis of it is core values. When you think that of that term, you can, you can kind of assign that to a lot of different things. The military has core values. A corporation has core values, Right. Any organization that you can think of, religious or otherwise, they have a set of core values of a standard base basis, a foundation by which they. this is where they build everything else from. And so we have that in the United Pentecostal Church. And, and Brother Parker has gone over this. And, and we should know this without even thinking about it, that our basically our core values, our core beliefs are, That we believe in full Bible salvation through repentance, through water baptism in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and the infilling of the Holy Ghost with the evidence. Initial evidence of speaking in other tongues as the spirit of gives the utterance. Amen. And I believe everybody in here has experienced that. And so we we don't just know that because the word says that we know that to be true because we've experienced that. And there's nobody that's going to come and tell us otherwise. And so we have that basis not not in head knowledge only, but we have that experience to say, "Yeah, that word is true, and that God's faithful God's kept his word, amen because we experience that for ourselves, so the core values are and I kind of broke it down core means the central or innermost or most essential part of anything right so where where sister Sandy works, they have core values they have when when they or have orientation, they set these core values up for new employees. Where I work, they have they have a specific set of core values in a hospital, and they say, "This is what we're, why we're here. This is what we do. This is what our missions and goals are, and this is what we expect." Right. So we have these core values that we live by every day, and the values are the principles, the tenets, or the beliefs. So we we have this truth. We have this this treasure, the Bible says, in earthen vessels. We've got this truth. And, and it's not something for us to, to just keep to ourselves, is it? Amen? And, and you know, I don't know what happened at Ladies Retreat, but it's we're not out there just to have our own little party together. But it's about rubbing shoulders with the world a little bit. we gotta, We got to make a difference in the lives of people. We've got to take the fact that we carry this Spirit in us and with us, that when we sense that there's somebody responding to that, we need to be sensitive to that. Because, thank God, somebody was sensitive when we were hungry, when we were thirsty. when We didn't know the whole truth that that we know now. Somebody had enough compassion and enough love to draw, and the Lord drew us in, but he's not going to do all the work, is he? No. Because he needs human involvement. Right. Because, the, you know, the Bible says in the book of Acts that the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. But he he didn't do that by himself. Those three thousand went out, and began to take what they had and tell somebody else. So we 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 live by these core values. So this morning, uh, I wanted to just talk a little bit about uh kind of touch on apostolic doctrine and then and then talk a little bit about ministry. So once again as I've already stated, we have this truth. We have this basic salvation truth, but that is just a basis. That is just the foundation of the house. And as a I've not I'm not a builder, but I've been on crews where we've built houses and built buildings. And there's a period of time where you work on the foundation. When I was stationed in Okinawa, I watched them put in, uh, they were putting in these 13-story concrete apartment buildings on the military base. So we were living in one of the new ones, and we watched the Japanese put one up next to us. And it seemed like forever. They worked on that foundation, that basement and everything. But all of a sudden one day, man, that thing started coming up quick. But they had to have that foundation right first. Right? Right, Brother Richard, you gotta have the footers put in right. You can you can even put footers in wrong. So it's not just a matter of digging some, some ditches and pouring some concrete, it's gotta be done right. Otherwise what's gonna happen is the house is gonna settle. And once you've got the house built on a bad foundation, what it's too late. You can't you might be able to go under there and jack it up a little bit. But in some cases, you've got to tear it down and start all over again. So it's important, and builders know this, it's important to have the foundation done right first. And so we have this foundation, but we've got to go on from that. Amen? And so, you know, the Bible says that as, as part of who we are, that we have this ministry of reconciliation. What is reconciliation? Reconciliation you got to reconcile. If you reconcile your checkbook, what does that mean? You've got to make sure all the checks you've written and all the deposits you've made and everything else all comes to zero at the end. And if it doesn't, you've got to go back and find out where your mistake is, right? Well, when a soul, when an individual is reconciled, they're reconciled to God out of this world. Because the Bible says all souls are his. Every soul belongs to the Lord. Whether they choose to come and serve him or not is up to them. That's why he gave us that wonderful thing called choice. I choose to be a Christian. I choose to be like this. I choose to live this way. Nobody's making me do this. If God could just make us serve him, then what would be the point of us coming together? Right? Amen. I chose one day when I saw this this raving beauty on Fort Gordon. In 1984, I chose to that was going to be the last one I ever looked at that way. And I made that decision. I made that choice and she's been the one ever since. Not that there's not any other pretty women out there, but I made a decision. This is going to be the one for my for life. That's it. And I'm still I still feel that way today. That hasn't changed and I've been we, my wife and I got in church in 1989, and I didn't know anything about this. I had a, a background in Catholicism, and, and I was raised in that, and I don't belittle that at all. I thank God for that foundation. But God built upon that foundation, and he took me to another level. And so I didn't know a whole lot about this. And when I did learn, I just learned the basics. But what did I have to do? I had to keep being faithful. I had to keep coming. I had to be committed to this just like I was committed to that marriage I had to be committed to 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 not be satisfied with just knowing this much I needed to know a little more I needed to to build upon those things that I that I learned and so we have these core values but it's important that we build upon that Amen And so under the the term apostolic ministry it says but watch thou in all things endure afflictions so, which indicates we're going to have to endure some things. You're not going to get out of afflictions. You're not going to get out of suffering persecution. You're not going to get out of going through some things that you might not be able to understand. What you might find yourself saying, okay, God, why this? Why is this happening in my life? Amen. To do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. And you might say to yourself, well, do I have a ministry? You absolutely have a ministry. We have that ministry of reconciliation. Every one of us, when we, when God made, gave us that call, when he said, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, make disciples of men, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, he gave you a ministry. And so it's up to us to fulfill our own ministry. Whether you have a credentials with an organization or not has no bearing on that. You have a ministry. I have a ministry. Each one of us goes out into the work world, or, and we, we rub shoulders with people. And I, I know I keep beating this horse, but we do. And I, I don't, I'll never go into the workplace where you work. And I'll never run into the people that you run into. And I'll never rub shoulders with those people. But God, just like he planted me out in Toma, he's planted you where you are for a reason. And I don't look at this as a job. I look at this as a field. He planted me in a field. He sent me to that field. And so I have purpose from day one to learn the names of those people. And I have purpose to pray specifically for those people. And I'm watching God open doors. And I'm, waiting, and I'm, I'm anxiously waiting for those opportunities to be able to begin to sit down and start teaching Bible studies with people. To watch that that moment when that light comes on. And so we have this apostolic ministry. So what is our ministry? It's to be a blessing to people. To love people. What did Jesus do when he walked the earth? There was nobody he wouldn't talk to. And you know, you read about Jesus talking to to the Pharisees and talking to them and and calling them whited sepulchers and all those kind of things, but... Really, he loved those people just as much as he loved the prostitute. He wanted them to be to come to the knowledge of who he was, just like he wanted the lowliest person out there, the woman with the issue of blood. He was reaching for everybody. He had compassion for every individual. Because what does the Bible say? He, he would that all men might be saved. Amen. And so everybody's not going to want this, but that... We can't just quit and give up because 10 people say, no, I don't want this. we got to keep pressing on. Amen? And so we have this ministry. And so your ministry is just that. It might not be teaching a home Bible study right away. It might just be befriending somebody. Some Sometimes people just need somebody to listen. They don't need you to, to give them any answers. They don't need you to... Give them, uh, here's the remedy for your problem. They just need somebody to just listen to them, get something off their chest. Sometimes that's what you're there for. And as you develop that relationship with people, you begin to break down those walls and barriers. And and I can probably, there's probably testimony after testimony of how that happened. And those, those kind of people are in church today serving God because somebody decided to be their friend. And your ministry might cost you something. Matter of fact, I'm going to go even so far as to say it's going to cost you something. And it's going to even cost you money. And it's probably going to cost you time. And so you, we are not our own, right? (laughs) When Paul was called, when Ananias said, here's the things you're going to have to suffer for the sake of the gospel, Paul knew at that point, this is just me kind of, editorializing, I guess, Paul knew that life as he knew it was over. He, he was called to be a minister to people, to the Gentiles. God was sending him. He took him away from him to turn around and send him back to him. And so God God knows what he's doing. He knows why he saved us, not just so that we can have our ticket and sit on the bus and wait for Jesus to come, right? He didn't save us for that. What did they do in the on the day of, after the day of Pentecost? They went from house to house. Amen. And so, you know, we don't have to be John the Baptist. I don't think we don't have to wear weird clothes and eat locusts and wild honey. But he's sending us into a field. And those those people that day that 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 husbandman sent into that field, and it didn't matter if they started the last hour or the first hour the whole point of them being in the field was to bring in the harvest. That was his goal to get the harvest, and that's the Lord's goal to get the harvest. And we are a part of that. And so our ministry basically like Paul's is defined every day every opportunity, we have to look, we have to I actively look and I pray, Lord, send me to show me the, the opportunities that you're presenting to me. Give me the wisdom, let me be able to discern when, when it's an opportunity, when it's a moment. Help me to maybe shut up and let that person speak. Help me to be a listener, right? Because sometimes people are going to say to you what's in their innermost being, and you're going to think, why are they telling me this, right? Anybody ever had that happen to them? And you're thinking, why are, I, I'm not wearing a, a name tag that says psychologist, why are they talking to me? Something about you is drawing them to want to do that. And so it's it's important for us to listen. God is opening a door. God is giving us an opportunity. Amen. And it's all about adding souls to the kingdom. It's really what it's all about. Our ministry. And so and that number letter B there says, What is the purpose of apostolic ministry? I, I just gave it to you it's not about it's not about us anymore it's not about what we want to do I mean there's some things I like to do right I would love to have a motorcycle i would i'm not lying i'm I'd love to have a motorcycle and if somebody wants to give me one i'll take it. <laughs> i you know i I, t- I took a motorcycle safety class when I was in the military in 1989, and, and the lady I went to church with, her husband was the instructor on the Air Force Base, and so I kind of got sort of cajoled into doing it. So I went over there and borrowed a motorcycle that they had on at the course, and I took the class, and, but I had two little toddler boys, and I decided now wasn't the time for me to do that. So I kind of pushed that way back on the back burner. And so now I'm at that point where I feel like it's one of those sort of bucket list things I'd like to do. I don't know if I'm going to get to do that or not. <laughs> yeah, I've already, I've already had several of our brethren say, yeah, call, we'll go ride. Oh, but, you know, there's, there comes a point in time where I have to say, but what is it about what I want to do? and i you know, i just i I told the lord if 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 it would be your will for me to be able to do that, then you make you open the door, but for now i I feel like to just hold off on it, but you know that's one of those things, and I'm sure that the apostle Paul had probably some things on his bucket list that he would have liked to have done in his life, but at the point where he was we my it, we're not our own, right? Are we not? We're bought with a price. And that's, that is referring to, in that day, just like when Joseph was taken and sold to those, those or the Ishmaelites or whatever, they, they literally took him into town and put him up on a block in front of the town and put him up for sale. And Potiphar bought him. And that's what we are when Jesus paid the price of blood on that cross. He bought us. We are not our own. We don't get to have a say. We don't. He just launched us into ministry, just like He did Paul, if you think about that. And so it's up to us to take what He has given us and do something with it. Use that ministry. And trust me when I tell you that the devil is going to tell you every excuse under the sun why you can't. You're not good enough. You don't know enough. How much do you think those people on the day of Pentecost, those 3,000 that were added that first day, how much Bible do you think they knew? They didn't even have a Bible. They didn't even have scrolls. Most of them couldn't even read. It was rare for somebody to be able to read. So how did they do it? Word of mouth. I don't you know, I don't have books, chapter and verse to tell you, but I will tell you this. When I when I repented, when I did what that preacher guy up there said, when when Peter said to repent, I did that. And when he said that I received the Holy Ghost, that happened to me. And this and this and their testimony was enough. And sometimes that's all God gives you. That's all you need. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. I used to be a drug dealer. I used to be this. I used to be that. But now I'm not anymore. You know, I I probably stomped and squashed and threw away hundreds and hundreds of dollars of, of cigarettes trying to quit. Trying to quit. Until I went to a training somewhere where I... No, I wasn't even in church, but I had enough faith that I said I would I laid there in my bunk one night and I said, God, I can't I can't do this. You're going to have to take them if I'm going I want I want to I quit, but I can't do this. So if, if I'm going to do it, you're going to have to take them away from me. And I just prayed that prayer and I went to sleep. And the next morning I woke up, I had no desire no desire to to even want one. And that was usually the first thing I did when I woke up. And I went through that whole day and it never, you know, everybody was, oh, if you try to quit, you'll go through withdrawal. And I had done all that and gone through that withdrawal before. And I, would you know, I'd crush a half a carton of cigarettes and then I'd go out and buy more because I'd give up after a couple of days because I just couldn't deal with it. But ever since that day, May 21st, 1988, I've never had a desire for one since that day, and I know that was God. <laughs> Did I run around telling everybody that? No. At least not everybody I was working with. And you know, I went to went to class, back to class that Monday, and first thing out of the box, one of the guys that had just been telling me quit bumming cigarettes was offering me one. <laughs> and I went, "Oh uh, no, no." <laughs> No, nice try, devil. <laughs> and I still wasn't in church, but God still honored my my faith in him. And he has kept me from those things since then. And I just know, I just know that there's been more for me than than just being a religious person. It's all about being what he would have me to be. Amen? I would rather be anywhere than where I'm standing right now. but I don't get to have a say, do I? all I get to be is faithful. And I I have to trust him. And I have to believe that I'm doing my best to only say what he's telling me to say. Okay, moving on. Wow, time is just screaming past us. So we I wanted to talk a little about a little bit more about apostolic ministry. And let's see here. Praise God. To be a minister, let's see, 1 Timothy 4 and 6. 1 Timothy 4 and 6. 1 Timothy chapter 4. For I am now ready to be offered in the time of my departure. Is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is. Sev- no that's not it. Maybe. I'm probably in Second Timothy. <laughs> But godliness without contentment is great gain, for we have brought nothing into this world. It's certain that we bring nothing out. Oh, I'm in 6. Okay. 4, 6. If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, that thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. Now, this is Paul talking to Timothy, but we could really apply this to ourselves and and that word minister there is in the in the Greek is one who executes the commands of another especially a master a servant an attendant a minister so really a minister is a servant i'm a servant you are a servant who are we serving the lord jesus christ you know he he told us he said don't don't worry about what you're going to say when you get into those moments and those times when when he's going to set the the whole thing up for you, don't worry about what you're going to say. I'll give you, it will come to your remembrance. You'll know what to say. And so, and that's why it's important to go back. You know, it's important that we put this word in us. We hide this word of God in our heart. We, you know, memorize it. We, We study it over and over so it becomes a part of us. Because that's like putting money in the bank. So when you get in those circumstances and situations, he'll cause that word to begin to well up in you. And you'll start saying things. And I remember the first time I ministered and, and witnessed to a neighbor of mine when I was overseas. And I was standing at their door talking to them. And later when we went back in our apartment, my wife said, where did that come from? And I was a new convert. I said, what are you talking about? She said, man, you were rolling. I, said, <laughs> I was like, what did I say? <laughs> it was God. It was God because that those persons they were just standing at their door like dumbfounded like oh, whatever I, you know I wasn't me it was what God was using me and so He'll use us if we'll make ourselves available and so the the this this word minister talks about this being the servant of a king a deacon one who by virtue of the office assigned to him by the church cares for the poor and has charge of the and distributes the money collected for their use a waiter. One who serves food or drink. So when we think of the word minister, sometimes we think of this high and lofty position, right? But really a minister is someone who ministers to other people. Servant. I'm not, we're not here to be served. What did Jesus say? I'm not, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. And to give my life a ransom for many. What if he? What if he asked us to do that? Wait, he is asking us to do that, right? So we don't get to have a say, really, if we're serious about serving in God's kingdom. What, what do you want me to do today, God? Where do you want? I'm going to work. What, what are you gonna? What kind of thing are you gonna set before me today? What, help me to be ready for that. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight today, God. You lead me. You guide me. You direct and order my steps. Order my steps in your word, Lord. It's, it's, it's like taking vitamins. We need to get this word in us first thing out of the box every day. Right? You know, you've you got to have that, that good healthy meal for breakfast to kind of get your, your engine started. So we we got to get, get this word in us first thing out of the box so that we kind of head off in the right direction. Amen. You know, Facebook and all that's wonderful, but don't go there first. <laughs> go to the word first. Amen. Because you don't know what you're going to see when you go on Facebook. It's like you can't unsee some things. Right. You can't unhear some things. And I'd rather hear the word of God or read the word of God. And, and I'd rather know those things. And I could listen to the radio all the way to work, but I don't. I usually listen long enough to hear what the news is for the day, about 10 minutes, and then I turn it off. And me and me and Jesus just have a talk all the way down I-90 every morning. And so I I prepare myself because I'm going into that place, and I don't know who I'm going to come in contact with. So I want to be ready. I'm his vessel. I want to do what he wants me to do. I want to be that minister, that servant, a Christian teacher or pastor. That's a minister. You don't have to be a pastor. Any one of you could get up here and teach. You've been in this thing long enough. Any one of you could get up here and, and talk about the things that are important to you. And you. If you can do it here, you can do it out there. Even better. You know, Brother Terry, you go to work. You, you've got built you build relationships with people at work. You see them every day in the break room. You see them every day when you clock in. So you've got those relationships. What better avenue? What better way to begin to open up a conversation? Amen? 2 Corinthians 5.18. And we're going to wind this thing up here. Wow. Somebody made the clock go faster or something. Or have I just been talking that much? 2 Corinthians 5.18. says, and all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given us, given to us, the ministry of reconciliation. He's given it to us. It's a gift. So if he's given you the gift, the ministry of reconciliation, what are we doing with it? That word ministry there in the Greek means service, ministering, especially those who execute the commands of others. Whose commands are we executing? Right here. What do you want me to say, God? What do you want me to do? How do you want me to handle this situation? Because trust me when I tell you he's going to lead us into situations where there's a hungry heart. And if I, I don't know about you, I'm, I'm just I'm itching for a Bible study in my house. And so we've been praying, God, lead us to somebody hungry that we can sit right here in our living room or go to their house and start teaching them a Bible study. Send us to hungry people. Send us to them. Cause us to cross their path so that we can minister to them. We can go take them out to dinner. We can, be, we can disciple them. Amen. It speaks of those who, by command of God, proclaim and promote religion among men. Of the offices of Moses. Of the office of the apostles in its administration. Of the office of prophets, evangelists, elders, etc. The ministration of those who render to others the offices of Christian affection. Especially those who help meet needs by either collecting or distributing of charities. The office of a deacon in the church. The service of those who prepare and present food. Just think about the job that a waitress has, you know, just think about if every single one of us, there's one, two, three, four, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, 10, 11, 12. And about 16, 18 of us here today, all 18 of us showed up at a restaurant, say Applebee's, and we all want to sit together. So we all get in that one group and that poor waitress has to wait on us hand and foot for the next 45 minutes to an hour, filling up our water and making sure we have enough roles and all that kind of stuff can you imagine doing that I can't God bless those people that are able to do that and keep smiling and, and, and they might not get a group like us they might get a group that might not be so nice to them And they still have to smile and they still have to tolerate that just think about that and that's what really he's called us to do to serve others to wait on people Not to just let ourselves be abused, but just think about what Jesus did. He loved people. When they wanted to stone the woman caught in the act of adultery, he didn't say, yeah, that's right, that's what the law says. Nope. He just started writing in the dirt. He ignored those guys. And one by one they left. Then he looked at the woman and said, where are these nine accusers? And she looked around and said, they're gone. He said, neither do I accuse you. He didn't say that she didn't do anything. He just said, I don't accuse you either. What did he say then? Go thou and sin no more. So really, he was saying, I know what you're doing, but that's not what it's about. It's about mercy. Mercy. There's a book. There's a scripture in the book of James that says he's going to have he's going to show no mercy on those who have no mercy towards others. I'm paraphrasing. I believe it's in James chapter two. So you got to be careful. Because that's what Jesus did. And that's who we are. We represent him. And so we are the ones. And what people need, what do people need in this world more than anything else? A little mercy. A little love, a little compassion. That's what he had for those people. When blind Bartimaeus was, son of David, have mercy on me. And they, what did the, what did his, even his disciples said, oh, Jesus, he's important. Don't be bothering him with that little stuff. Or when the children came to him and they tried to shove him away, and he said, no, 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 don't suffer the little children and forbid them not. No, no, go, go get that blind guy. Bring him here. You know, we've got to have compassion and love for people. This is how we we'll, they'll know we are Christians if we have love, one for another, one to another. Right? <laughs> what did Jesus tell them in, in Matthew chapter 25? Talk about ministry. If, you, if you've taken care of me in prison, if you've fed and clothed me, right? So we got to ask ourselves sometimes, what are we being asked to do? When, when, when you're driving past that guy that's got that sign out at the end of Walmart, it's not for us to judge whether he's panhandling for a living or not. You don't have to give him money, but you can keep some tracks in your car. and You can go in Walmart, buy some food, put it in a Walmart bag, stick your track in there and Drive by and hand it to that guy. Say, here, are you hungry? Or go to McDonald's and get him a Big Mac meal or something and stick a track in there. Let God worry about that. You might not be able to teach that guy a Bible study, but you can plant that seed in in that bag. Show compassion and mercy. Right? I gave away, when I was up in Minneapolis, I gave away my lunch with cooler and everything to a guy standing on the street corner doing that. I thought, dear God, maybe he's really hungry. I just felt like the Lord told me he's looking at me like, and I said, here, my whole lunch, I thought, I'll go buy lunch somewhere. And he was just flabbergasted because people don't expect that. So we got to be that light. We got to be that minister. We got to be that witness. Amen. Apostolic ministry. That's what it's all about. Our identity is who we are. I don't know. I don't, that person might not know a whole lot about the Bible, but they sure know how to love people right? It was the love of the people of God that really drew my wife and and I into this more than anything else. It wasn't the great teaching. It wasn't, you know, all that, you know, stuff. It was just the love of the people that we felt loved by that church, by that family. And they became our family. Amen. We got a lot of family out there we haven't brought in here yet. Amen. Father, thank you for this time of ministry today. We I pray that the words that I've spoken have helped somebody. Go with us as we go on our break and and come back and minister through me and to your people today and the remainder of this service.